Newsworthy Weekly, delivering the best of humanity every Saturday. Here's your hosts, Allison Rosen and Todd Perry. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Upworthy Weekly. My name is Todd Perry, a staff writer here at Upworthy, and with me is the wonderful Allison Rosen, and you know her best from Allison Rosen is your new best friend. Hello, Todd. It is wonderful to be here as always. Before we get into this show, Upworthy Weekly, it seems to me, just from some rumble on social media, that you had a rather dramatic conversation with Roseanne Barr's daughter. This week? Yes, I did. I had her on my show. Her name is Jenny Pentland. Um, and she is the uh, so so the show Roseanne was based on Roseanne's own family. So Jenny was like the real life inspiration for Becky and Darlene. Um, and I followed her. She's very funny on social media. So I followed her for a while. But what I didn't know is uh, between the ages of 13 and 18, she was like a troubled quote-unquote troubled teen so she was sent away to a series of these troubled teen programs like wilderness programs behavior modification programs and they it's it's really kind of brutal and upsetting and really she shouldn't have been there that long um Something that I thought was interesting is she's still very close with her mom. Like a lot of the, so she, she wrote this book called This Will Be Funny Later, um, which is a great memoir. And there's been a lot of press about the book and like page six and some of the more, you know, sensational press makes it seem like she's at odds with her mom because her mom and her dad sent her away. But she's really not. She's really has a lot of understanding and grace around the position that her mom was in and, and the fears that her mom had and things like that. So her anger is really not at her mom. I mean, she did, she did the interview from Roseanne's house. Oh. Uh, I, or I know Roseanne was in the same house, like watching her baby right now. Uh, she lives in Hawaii, but she was she was out in L.A. Uh, while I was talking to her. And she, yeah, she really doesn't have anger at Roseanne. Really, her ire is reserved for these kind of for-profit teen programs that just collect tons of money from insurance companies and then, for lack of a better word, traumatize and abuse the kids. Oof. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah, that's heavy. Well, that's cool that she's... It was pretty heavy. ...using her platform to spread awareness about that, because that's something I haven't heard of, in, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I didn't realize that they are... That, that these programs still exist. Because I feel like I remember, you know, when we were growing up, you'd hear about Scared Straight and these things where, like, they... Like, Outward Bound, where they send you out into the wilderness with, like, three peanuts, and they're like, good <laughs> luck coming back. <laughs> um, which, by the way, as someone who doesn't even like to be outdoors... At all. I would perish. It's a good thing that I was never, no one ever thought I was a troubled teen um, because I would not survive a minute in one of these places. But yeah, it's really, uh, and, and, and they kind of, they, they kidnap you essentially with your parents' permission. Yeah. But it's all very, it, it's upsetting. Yeah. I couldn't imagine just giving my kid up for like years mm-hmm. at a time for the kid to be there. You know, he, Right. Who knows? He may deserve it, you know. But I, I think we'll go. We'll do the whole. Uh, we'll threaten him with military school. That was like an '80s thing, right? Like, yes. you mess around, you're gonna go to middle military school. But, right. So on the show today, <laughs> we're gonna be talking about some of <laughs> Upworthy's most popular and engaging stories from January 24th to the 28th, and I think 
We start off with you, Allison. Let's start with me. Can I just say one thing real fast? Yeah. I just want to explain, though, while my conversation with Jenny Pentland got into some heavy stuff, it was it's not like a disturbing, upsetting listen or anything. I would recommend people go check it out. It's well, she's a funny, light person who has been through some stuff. Okay. Uh, so funny story in Upworthy this week about a mom who was wrong about her kid's birthday. She had the date wrong. This ran on Tuesday and it is by Heather Wake. And the headline is mom has TikTok viewers in stitches after revealing she got her son's birthday wrong for years. Um, and, uh, so she posted this on TikTok with the following caption. Uh, here's a little story to allow all the moms of littles out there to maybe feel a little better about yourself. Uh, she said to her 1.3 million TikTok followers. So anyway, uh, the story is her pediatrician's office was trying to bill her kids insurance and they were having trouble because the insurance company was insisting his birthday was February 26th, I believe. And she was saying it was February 25th. And so the doctor's office was calling saying, can you clarify? And she was like, it's February 25th. I'm the mother. I think I know when his birthday is. (laughs) She got real adamant about it. And then she went to go look to like prove it. And lo and behold, she discovered she had the date wrong. I'm sorry. I had it. They, she was insisting, you know what? It doesn't matter. Either it was February 26th and she said February 25th or vice versa. Um, But anyway, she went and looked and on Facebook when she posted the birth announcement and discovered she had been wrong. It was, I think if now it's important that I get this right. The actual birth date was February 25th, but she had been celebrating it on February 26th the whole time. Correct. So she's like, so anyway, she discovered it's actually February 25th. She had been wrong this entire time. And to make matters worse, this child was her middle child. So, you know, there's like the stereotype that middle kids are kind of uh, neglected. So this feeds into that. But I think it makes everyone else feel maybe a little better about their own parental foibles so some of the comp people wrote in with a lot of comments <laughs> here's one that uh, i enjoy one year and this is not me saying this um one year my my mother sang happy birthday to allison my name is ashley i'm an only child <laughs> <laughs> and someone else said and i can relate to this given how tired i was in the situation when i was filling out the birth certificate um i spelled my own name wrong on my child's birth certificate Oh, seriously? How do you? Well, I know. Well, you know, once you have a kid, I'm sure there's a hormonal stuff going on, yeah. and you're not quite all there. And I... you haven't you haven't slept in a long time. I remember we received the form for the birth certificate with Elliot. My first, we were in the hospital for five days. Um, we received the form, and we didn't fill it out until like we had been discharged and it was like, we got to Cause if we don't fill this out now, then it becomes a whole paperwork nightmare. So we were still choosing between two names. We were choosing between Elliot and Jesse and we went back and forth and back and forth. And the reason we chose at that moment was cause we had to fill out that form. So yeah, I was not in the best mental state when I was writing that. So I could have messed up my own name. Yeah. We sat there the whole time going back and forth about the middle name and it was kind of like wow. my wife and I trying to decide, uh, you know, where we're going to go for dinner. It was, <laughs> I don't know. You know, what about that? You want Mexican tonight? Mexican? I don't We had Mexican Thursday. I know, but Mexican's great every day. I don't know. How about Italian? And we just kind of went back and forth and could not 
figure out a name. And so then we just were like, ah, it's middle name or middle name is, oh, just James. It's a nice name. It's not, you, you could run for president like with D James Perry or whatever, you know? So we did that, but you know, let's hear the audio real quick of the mother because not only was the content of what she had to say funny, but like her delivery was pretty spectacular. Yeah. So let's hear that. All right, I had to take you to the porch for this one. Here's a little story to allow all the moms of littles out there to maybe feel a little better about yourselves. Here's a real confidence boost for you, okay? Not for me. I just got off the phone with my pediatrician. She's trying to bill our last visit to our insurance company. Per my words, my son's birthday is the 26th. I'm his mother. I know his birthday. The insurance company says no. His birthday's on the 25th. So she's calling me to, you know, get that squared away. So, you know, I'm about to call on my insurance company to let them have it. And I say, maybe I should scroll back Facebook to look at the birth announcement years ago to make sure. I just got done doing that. And his birthday is indeed the 25th. For two years, I've been celebrating his birthday on the 26th. And now I have to call my pediatrician back and say, ha ha ha, you know what? I had my kid's birthday wrong. You want to know the worst part? The worst part. It's my middle child. It's my middle child. I have a mommy date with my middle child today. I love my kids, okay? I love my kids. They may not have their birthday celebration on the correct day, but they celebrated the next. Okay, Mary. Can I just circle back to something you said about giving your son a middle name that will allow him to run for president? We also had that discussion. It's distinguished. He could run for president. I don't think our kids are going to I mean, maybe they will. But I love that. I love that feels very American. It feels like a very American notion that like I got to give my kid a name that will work should he want to run for the highest office in the land, which is probable. Yeah, you got to have a ceiling. You know, you got to you, you kind of you decide what the ceiling is with your kid when you name them. You know, if if <laughs> I named, if I named him Jethro Perry, it's going to be tough. Right. You know, yeah. uh, you, you, it's got to look good on, you know, if it was printed on money, you know, it is Declan James Perry. I think that can be regal. Mm-hmm. You know, it's also a masculine with Declan, which is like an Irish name. Uh, but yeah, uh, you, you don't want to hamstring your kid. And then also there's the whole thing where. You don't want to name your kids something that they're going to be made fun of. And my that was a big yeah, go, that was a big thing with us because every I my I used to joke that our kid's name, if it was up to my husband, would be, oh, God, no, because everything <laughs> I said, he'd go, oh, God, no. And then he would come up with all the ways the kid could be made fun of. And I, and I would say to him, and I hope this is true. I don't think it's like that anymore. I mean, yes, all mm. kids can but you look dubious. Mm, Is it I, like that still? I no, feel like the world has changed. Kids are kids. I think you, I know. you can beat it out of them, but the first thing they're going to do is try to find a way to make fun of the kid's name. Like my wife had a bag full of names that just would have got his his like the crap beat out of him every day of his life in fifth grade. It was like, let's name him Grayson. I was like, oh, God. <laughs> you, you get pounded in the face that's like going into school with buckles on your shoes like having a name like Grayson like you're just gonna get socked in the jaw like it doesn't matter I didn't know that buckles on shoes were a thing that made you vulnerable well I think when you look like your grandparents dressed you and as I remember buckles up maybe this maybe this is showing how old I am that 
you know, pilgrim type so. clothing was actually a thing <laughs> that like, you know, your grandma wanted to get you when you were, you know, when, when I it, attended Plymouth Academy, <laughs> everyone had buckles on their shoes in Salem in 1982. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But yeah, you I didn't like the witch thing. That was uncomfortable for me personally. But other than that, it was a great place to grow up. I like it how the men instinctively go towards don't give him a name or he'll get his butt kicked. And women are yeah. pushing against it the whole time. I had suggested Elliot. And then Daniel said, this is when he was still, you know, in utero. Daniel's like, mm, that's a sweet boy name. And I said, what does that mean? <laughs> what does that mean? I think he wanted something tough you know but then he decided as as the due date got closer he's like you know what though we're gonna have a, he's gonna be a sweet boy and now he's like the sweetest boy and by the way sweet boy is not a euphemism for something it's like he just he truly meant like that's a sweet little kid and you know we want to i don't know but anyway like he is the sweetest little kid and so we laugh about that now because th that Daniel wanted to go against the idea of a quote unquote sweet boy name. I don't know. But you the, guys are crazy. But then also you got to think about you don't want a kid whose name is so tough and the kid just not even be close to the name. Right. You know, you don't like this. Like, like Tex. Or, yeah, right. <laughs> this is Tex Watson Quants. No, uh, <laughs> where you have like, you know, the kid's name Rocco. Or mm -hmm. something, and then he's just very non-Rocco. But there's a right. lot of there's a lot of parents going overboard with the hipster, tough guy, uh, European ethnic names these days. There's, I, I've heard of a couple Magnuses recently. Magnus, yeah, Magnus is on its way up in oh. terms of names. It, did you have the experience I did? But I want to hear your story too. But did mm. you have your stories? But did you have the experience I did? where a name popped into your head and it seemed to be like a beautiful and yet unusual at this point name. And then it, it turns out that it's like number one. And then you think to yourself, I am not a unique individual. I am a, a, a product of my time. That happened to me with so mostly girl names. Cause when I didn't know what I was going to have yet, I'd be like, Abigail, Olivia, Evelyn. And those are very popular right now. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, there is something to be said about the collective subconscious when it comes yes. to that. Like, we named our kid Declan, and we've been okay with not there not being five Declans in his school so far. I know a lot of little Declans, but yeah, I think they're I think they're coming out of the woodwork now. So yeah, mm. you know, you try to be interesting, you try to be different, but you know, unless you name the kid Mixelplick or you know whatever Elon Musk names his kids, then Mixelplick. Bumble Clark. Yes. <laughs> Upworthy Weekly. People are sharing the adult problems that, quote, nobody prepared you for, and they're so true. And this was written by Todd Perry. I know him. He has a son named Bumble Clark. Nothing can ever fully prepare you for being an adult. Once you leave childhood behind, the responsibilities, letdowns, and setbacks come at you fast. It's tiring, expensive, and there's no easy-to-follow roadmap for happiness and success. A Redditor named, oh, he's got a weird, Frequent Pilot, asked the online forum, what's an adult problem that nobody prepared you for? And there are a lot of profound answers that get to the heart of the disappointing side of being an adult. 
How's that for Upworthy, guys? Uh, yeah, where's the Upworthy angle? I th- thought this was supposed to be good news delivered. No, the best of humanity delivered. Well, sometimes the best of humanity is humanity being honest. And Ooh. Look- oh, that's really good. Oh, that's really I'm good. Gonna, I'm just going to bask in that for a moment. That's I- really good. Yes. Yes, I should go to law school with crap like that. <laughs> But no, I think being honest and talking about that's humanity is the disappointment of being an adult and people being honest and sharing their feelings about it. Yes. Um, and I write the next paragraph addresses the comment that we get many times on things where someone goes, that's not upworthy. And it's mm. like, OK, please tell me what's upworthy, kid. Yeah. You know, uh, the Reddit thread may seem depressing at first, but there are a lot of great lessons that younger people can take to heart. And the post will also make older people feel a lot better because they can totally relate. So this is you just justifying writing this story, right? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> and one person wrote uh, one of the dis- you know things that they don't tell you about is a lack of purpose. Mm, all all yes. your young life, you're given purpose of passing exams, learning. Then all of a sudden, you're thrown into a world and told to find your own meaning. Uh, and yeah, that's pretty powerful because yeah, the whole time there's a whole roadmap for you. You know, you finish school, do this, you know, learn how to use the toilet, uh, learn how to tie your shoes, you know, say please and thank you. And then mm-hmm. eventually you get out in the world and I don't know, unless you have some kind of a deeply held religious beliefs where you're going to go convert the world or some insane talent that you're going to pursue, then you kind of look at the world with a, you know, blank slate. Mm -hmm. I felt that a lot that I found that to be a Mm -hmm. sort of a, a a crushing disappointment that I had to adjust to in the years right after college, this feeling that prior to college, there had been all these adults and authority figures around me, my parents, my teachers, professors who were very invested in my progress and my growth. And I don't think I realized how much meaning I personally was deriving from pleasing them and hitting mm. goals and all all of that stuff and then suddenly I just felt like the world is so vast and no one really cares I mean your immediate circle cares but suddenly it's like oh that's not like what you said I'm gonna have to find a way to make meaning out of this and it's not gonna come from pleasing an adult yeah because now I am an adult and what does that mean right yeah or any type of authority figure Uh, And I think some people, sadly, even people that are, you know, could be wickedly intelligent or talented in some way, uh, they get out into the world and they just don't know what to make of it or what, I don't know, people say you're calling or or what their bliss is that they're going to follow. And I've always been somebody with like a ton of interests. Uh, so I've always been kind of like just following one thing or another and thinking, okay, that interests me. I want to go there or go towards Mm -hmm. that. So I think I wound up okay, but I think it was just because I'm really maybe curious and passionate about lots of stuff that that wasn't really an issue. The issue was, how do I get in that room? How do I get in that building? How do I meet those people, the the networking side of things? Um, There was something, there's a quote by Hunter S. Thompson, the writer, which I always liked. And for people who are feeling that way, he said the important thing in life is to kind of choose the lifestyle that you want. And then you find a career and everything that backs that up. 
So in the end, oh, that's really smart. Yeah, in the end, lots of people they start out as like, I want this career. You know, the, I mm-hmm. want to do something with my hands. I want to do, you know, I want to build something or I want to write something, and and they do that, or I want to be, or the one that everybody always uh, winds up miserable is they go, I want to be a lawyer, and yeah. they burn out at thirty eight. You know. But, well, aforementioned Daniel with the anvil over his head um, went to film school mm-hmm. and then realized pr- production hours where you're getting up at 4 a.m. and you're doing these, you know, more than 16 hour days. And I mean, that is just grueling. He realized that wasn't really <clears throat> the lifestyle that he wanted. Yeah, they could be com- completely uh, non, you know, compatible. Those kind right. of things. So it's almost like and I like. The lifestyle I have where it's, you know, I work from home, I'm, I'm able to help my family and raise my kid, but also be creative and do everything. So kind of my job suits my lifestyle, I guess. So that's uh, that's worked out well for me and I'm, I'm happy, you know. Um, but I could see where, especially when you're 19, you don't know what makes you happy when you're 19, you know. No, and also the lifestyle that'll work for you at 19 might not work for you when you're in your 30s, 40s. Oh, so of you got to be yeah. adaptable too. Yeah, and it shouldn't work, you know. Right. Um, let's see here. There was another thing. Someone said they didn't know that other adults have the emotional intelligence of teenagers, and it's almost impossible to deal with logically. <laughs> and that I read that, and it was funny because uh, in my previous job, I worked in radio advertising where I were, wrote radio screenplays and I, I still screenplays, radio scripts. Um, and I still do that on the side. I do a whole bunch of that work and I, I love doing it. It's a lot of fun, but there was this book, uh, by a guy named Robert Cialdini. That's, um, it's called persuasion. And it's one of, I think I've encountered this. Yeah. Yeah. And it's one of the books. It's basically the seven different ways that you can persuade people. And, Knowing the skills of persuasion, obviously in the hands of evil is a really bad thing, but in the hands of good, it's a good thing because you can persuade people towards good things. Um, and that's but, what you're doing with your radio jingles? Yes, yes. I was <laughs> telling people to buy California Deluxe Windows. Um, but so one of the things in there that stuck out to me that has helped me understand the world is that people do things because they have reasons not because of they reasoned it. You know what I'm mm. saying? Like you have a people have a reason to want to believe certain things, they'll believe it. They don't necessarily logic it out. And I'm sure I'm not saying I'm brilliant. There's probably lots of things I believe that are incorrect. Just cuz Are I, you saying or is this guy Cialdini saying as opposed to pers- like changing someone's mind to make them come to your side. You got to explain why what you're presenting fits in with what they already believe. Yes. It's like, there's, there's reasons why people accept certain philosophies. It's because, you know, maybe somebody is nervous about what happens to them after they die. And then therefore they Mm -hmm. gravitate towards certain religious beliefs. And it's not necessarily they logicked out that religious belief. It's because they had a need to feel secure about their death. Right. Yes. This is for some people. Obviously, there's people listening who have have their spiritual beliefs for many reasons. But or there's somebody that maybe maybe has an irrational fear of certain types of people, so they gravitate towards certain ideologies. Right. Um, so and and it's not necessarily logic. And you out. try to sell them on that. Well, back uh, away from my <laughs> manipulation. But if everybody, I've got a seminar coming up on the menace. No. Um, 
<laughs> but that always, and then when you see people who are in politics who are really good politicians and stuff, you can see them manipulating people, mm-hmm. not based on logic. They're not going up there uh, trying to logic out things. And when people do, they f- kind of fail miserably. So yeah, I think that's a big deal when you're just dealing with people realize that maybe they're doing things not out of logic at all. You know. So wait, if we were to apply this to this show, then what does that mean? Like, instead of being like, listen, because Todd and Allison are <clears throat> really funny, it would be like, you're looking for something to put you in a better mood on Saturdays. Like that? Correct. Yeah, it would be like, you know, are you bored on Saturdays? Do you want to listen to people that uh, maybe maybe speak like your friends? Then... <laughs> And listen to the show, you know. Um, but if you're gonna, I don't know. I, I think we can work on the speak like your friends, people that you would want to be your friends. You like um, <laughs> Todd and Allison is people who speak like your friends. <laughs> maybe I don't know. I haven't thought about it. Uh, another thing <laughs> people say is life is all about maintenance. Your body, your house, your relationships, everything requires constant, never-ending maintenance. That is depressing, but, but accurate. Yeah. It's like we're all kind of like Dutch boys with, you know, only so many fingers to stick in the, yeah. the wall. And it's like, oh, oh, I didn't think about it. Now that plant outside is dying. Ah, oh, damn it. You know, that was last on my list. Or, oh, crap, I forgot to feed the dog. Now the dog's giving me hell. It's just this constant thing. And I think the thing is when people start getting money is when they start filling holes with just having other people deal with that stuff right you know i was yeah somebody will deal with the lawn somebody will raise my child you know (laughs) somebody i was thinking about this as i walked from the house out to the little back studio here where i record and i was looking at all the kids our back i i just moments before we recorded i said to my husband i think we need to like make this backyard look nice because right now there's kids toys everywhere but they're sun bleached and like everything is kind of dirty and it's just a de- it's just depressing. It's I'm it's not as bad as I'm making it out to be, but like we have this little plastic it's like a $30 plastic slide. But it's it started yellow and blue and now it's vaguely grayish. You know, everything is sun bleached. It's in disrepair. I don't really know I don't know what the answer is though. Like some kind of shed I don't know, but th- this is an example of I, I applied no maintenance to any of this, and now all of it looks bad. Well, the thing is, the stuff is designed to only look good for as long as it needs to be in use, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, the thing is, you have two kids, so it kind of screws with things. But if you had one kid, that slide's going to last him two years, and right after right. that, the Fisher-Price entropy sets in, and then it yeah. starts to become that weird color, and then it goes out on the lawn for somebody to come pick it up. Right. Well, that's kind of where we are, except uh, Elliot's aforementioned sweet boy's birthday is coming up this weekend. So we're going to, you know, have some cake outside. And I'm like, we should make the outside look nice. Might Owen want to, you know, go on the slide. But we could also toss everything. I don't know. Uh, You know, actually, uh, aforementioned sweet boy is playing Coachella this year. They're my so. favorite. I, I missed them so many years in a row. Yeah, I, me too. Me too. It's pandemic. Haven't been able to get my sweet boy on. Uh, <laughs> you know, I was thinking one of the things when I read this that hit me, and I you alluded to this earlier, was the first thing that hit me, I think, when I got out into the real world, I realized that there's a lot of people out there that didn't care about me. 
Like, mm-hmm. you know, you have a job and it's like, yeah, do a good job or whatever or else you're fired. And then like you don't have money and it's what can you do for me? You know, uh, you turn in a paper late and your professor's like, no, it's late. Like I docked you points or you get a zero um, and nobody cares to hear your excuses. You know, cop pulls you over. That's a ticket. Right. You know, like it's that harsh reality when, you know, when you're younger and you're like, oh, I can maybe charm my way out of this. Or I can do this. And it was like, no, like there's just harsh consequences. And mm-hmm. if you don't pick up on that quickly, life becomes quite difficult. You start butting heads with reality. Um, yes, I think so. Yeah. So if you're out there and this is ringing too true to you because you are struggling with that like now what do i do with my life loss of meaning what what am i doing kind of thing just know it gets better to borrow a motto it gets better you know allison that was very upworthy thank you right there thank you upworthy weekly This is by Shandini G, and it ran on Friday with the headline, Reddit asks, if someone borrowed your body, what, quote, jiggle the handle tips would they need? Mm. Um, This is very funny. So this is uh, from a viral Reddit post asking what tips someone would need if they were to borrow our bodies for a month. Uh, So here are some of the responses, and I have some ideas for if someone wants to borrow my body. Um, But... Here's one. If you squat too long to look at something, you will feel like you're going to faint. And then you will. (laughs) Plan accordingly. Uh, Another, naps aren't worth worth the risk if you have other stuff to do today. There's a 50-50 shot you'll wake up feeling like a Norse god with lightning shooting from your hands or feeling like your head is filled with mud and your body has turned to Gumby. Mm. Uh, another says left ankle is jacked go easy on it Uh, another one stay away from fish and penicillin and then another one don't stand up quickly or everything will be black i have that one sometimes Mm. uh and uh and there there were a ton of responses these are i'm just choosing a few that i thought were great uh here's one that's funny don't panic you're a grower oh okay (laughs) that's a good one um, I think mine would be just make sure to, to use the bathroom before you leave the house. Okay. And then use it one more time. These are mine are all kind of like the pretty typical uh, after you have kids, it's going to be this way kind of thing. Like, hey, if you're going to sneeze, make sure, you know, cross your legs. <laughs> I, I literally do that before sneezing or coughing. I cross my legs since having kids. Yeah, mine are mostly urine based. Oh, okay. That's fun. I'm sure you're great on a road trip. The thing, <laughs> you know, it, it's, I mean, as long as you're not picky about like, hey, uh, can we stop by the Jack in the Box off the 10 freeway on the way out to Palm yeah. Springs? No, I'm, pr- I'm pretty good. I would prefer not to use a porta potty. If I have to, I will. But, you know, we're, as long as there's a toilet inside somewhere, I'm okay. <laughs> you know, it, the, it, my jiggle the handle would be, um, I was just thinking like, it, under what circumstance would somebody inhabit my body besides if it was like a Disney film? Right. You know, like that Vince Vaughn freaky movie that was really good. But I was thinking like, what, you know, maybe if I was having like an out of body experience and then some like spirit came into my body, mm-hmm. you know? Sure. And so I'd have to let them know, like, I don't know, text them or whatever. Uh, the thing is, it's like, uh, w- when you wake up in the morning, Something's going to be very stiff 
and mm. it's it's my feet because uh, I w- one morning I actually almost fell over because my feet were so stiff. Uh, because is it is this the, is this those dang boat shoes? No, this is this is the precursor to boat shoes. This was okay. I w- when I first started working from home before it was cool in 2016, I started wearing uh, flip flops every day because I was like, I don't have to wear shoes. F yeah. the man. Like I was wear board <laughs> shorts because I'm like board shorts are, are like they have like I don't know if, I don't know if you know this, Allison, as a female. But the great thing about board shorts is they have like underwear sewn into them. There's like a netting. Yeah, I don't know if I truly knew it, but on some level I did. I've been, I guess I've been. Wait, all board shorts do. I believe so. So like yeah. board shorts make your underwear obsolete. Correct. Unless you want to wear two pairs, essentially. Yeah, because I mean, who's gonna wear underwear and then go out surfing, and then you're gonna have your tidy whities start sagging on you? Right. Oh, oh, this makes sense. Yeah. God forbid you've got uh, boxers on and you're curling ten or whatever people do out there. Um, but I think they hang ten, hang ten curls. I don't know. We don't know. Hard they do to tell. toes on the nose, and they hang ten. I only know it if it's a brand of surfwear. Okay, very good. Um, and you're out there doing the, you know, TNC the surf design. Yeah, I'm doing the <laughs> doing the quicksilver. <laughs> I'm doing the old guy's rule. Right. You know, when you're volcoming, <laughs> just right down the coast, man. <laughs> you can't do that if you've got boxer shorts on. Okay, so they have the this little like netting in there. Uh, in there, so I I would consider that as good as underwear. So I just wear board shorts while I worked, and mm-hmm. then like a t-shirt, like I'm wearing now, and then I wear flip flops. But the problem was that flip flops are really bad for your feet, and so day in and day out, they did a real number on my feet to the point where I'd wake up and my feet would be stiff. But I was still too lazy to put on like a regular shoe. So then yeah. I kind of I squared the circle a bit and I moved from the flip flop to the. Uh, to the boat shoe. But here's what I'm saying. <laughs> if somehow somebody inhabits my body, they got to know these, these, you know, these feet are going to be stiff in the morning and you don't want to eat my flooring, you know? So you just mm-hmm. kind of have to like ease in, massage the foot a little bit, get it going. If it's cold, go slow. You know, you don't want to stretch the tendons. Um, so just so I understand though, you're willing to get out of bed, massage your feet, go slow if it's cold. Like, it sounds like a whole, I mean, talk about maintenance. That's a whole thing. You're willing to do that, but you're not willing to wear shoes with support. Correct. Yes, because you <laughs> That have- just makes sense. Upworthy Weekly. The Rock shares one simple change that's helped him achieve his massive success. I feel like he has some story about puppies. Did something bad, did he lose a puppy in some sad way, but then get another puppy or something? Uh, I don't know, but that sounds like something... Something he'd do? Something the guy at Upworthy would know about. Um, Yes, but maybe it was too sad of a story. Now I got to Google it. Um, The Rock saves puppy. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Dwayne The Rock Johnson saves drowning puppies. I mean, how do you not know? Let me just click on that. How do you not know this? Hard to hate. Hard to hate. 
Dwayne the Rock Johnson Johnson saves his new pup from drowning. And then there's a picture of him and he's very wet because he's in his pool wearing a T-shirt and jeans. And then he's got a puppy in each hand. Oh, my word. Uh, Brutus and Hobbs, his cute French bulldog puppies, got into a bit of trouble while learning to go potty outside. Uh, Yeah. And so I guess one fell in or or both and he saved them. How 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 is that not the cover story for Upworthy? Well, you know, I'm a straight man, and this gives me the vapors. You know, you got <laughs> right. the rock saving puppies in a wet shirt. I know. You know, it like makes me question some things. Um, hey, it's a spectrum. Oh, okay. Oh, that's a thing now. Okay, so I just like it's been a spectrum for a while. We're all on somewhere on the spectrum. Okay, so it's like the Kinsey thing. Oh, the Kinsey spectrum, right? It's Kinsey scale. So I just moved the rock. In a yeah. uh, wet T-shirt, saving puppies, which is a very kind of calendar type of behavior, you know. Oh, my God. 12 months of the rock saving puppies. Yeah. Take my money, please. So Johnson recently shared a simple trick that he uses to reframe every situation into a positive experience. I, I was going to do my rock impersonation, but I will not. Please. You have to. You can't say you will and then not. I'll share a little philosophy with you guys. So, I mean, it's it's kind of like Elvis meets Barack Obama. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> sure, a little philosophy, you guys. That's a help me achieve some success over the years. Thank you. No. Um, when it comes to hard work and things I'm passionate about, years ago I stopped saying I have to, and started saying I get to. A big psychological shift on how you approach the daily grind of stuff that we got to get done. I get to train hard and push myself to the breaking point. I get to get my ass kicked and come back stronger. I get to be the hardest worker in the room. I get to record a podcast with Todd Perry. Because <laughs> when you get to do the things you love, it's a privilege. Try switching have to to get to and start to feel that grind, gratitude, and growth. I love that. Um, yeah. I mean, look, I think we all know. I can be a real sour, uh, pouty teenager at times, just in a cranky mood and lacking the wherewithal to pull myself out of it. Even though at this point in my life, I know, go on a walk, journal, meditate, think about where you are now, Allison. You're in a house with a family you love. You get to do a podcast with Greg Fitzsimmons. And also Todd. <laughs> um, no, I'm just saying like, there's, you know, there's plenty to be happy about, but I still get into a funk. Um, and then, like I said, I lack, I, it's, tr- it's hard for me to like make myself do those little things, but this is a real small tip that would be good. Yeah. And it transforms everything. Like when you're like, oh, I have to go to the DMV. You could think, oh, I get to sit for like 45 minutes and read a book. You know, that is a small little mind hack that I learned a long time ago because I was reading someone said that when they're at the grocery store they always choose the longest line so that they can read magazines while they're in the line or take advantage of that time to themselves or something like that and I was like what an interesting way to go through life and I think (laughs) also this applies to parenting in a big way because there's lots of times you're like I have to go do the blah 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 or I have to go to that maybe that birthday party I don't want to go to or Sometimes I don't want to read books to my kid before bed. Mm-hmm. 
and I think, oh God, I've got to read the choo-choo book or whatever. But then I think, oh, I get to enjoy this moment with my kid doing it because I know in four years it's not going to happen anymore and I'm going to really miss it, right? So Yes. it's con- I, I find that it's kind of constantly that with kids. The, any, any sort of thing that is irritating, then when you think like, but it's fleeting, so try to be in the moment. Yeah. Another similar thing I've heard is if you feel nervous about something, tell yourself you're excited instead because, and I don't know if this is true. I probably saw this on TikTok, but uh, apparently the what's happening physiologically when you're nervous is it's actually this, again, I don't know if it's true, but what this person said was it's the same sort of mechanism, same response, same hormones being released as when you're excited. So it shouldn't be that hard to like reframe it in your mind to tell yourself you're excited. I'm going to try that next time. I've heard the exact same thing. So if both of us believe it and we have reasons to believe it, then we believe it. Then we and it's true regardless. No one can tell us yes. otherwise. That's right. It's time to rate your week. Have something great happen this week that you just have to share with the world? Tell us about it by emailing us at UpworthyWeekly at Upworthy.com. Allison, rate your week one to five. One being, give- uh, one being completely crap awful, uh, five being just tremendous. Best week ever. Perfect week. I'm going to give it a four. Um, I had a pretty decent week. I, yeah, you know, it's been a a few weeks of low numbers, so I was happy to see that growth. Uh, My kids went back to school. You know, I was keeping them home for a few weeks because I was nervous about the numbers in L.A. Uh, And they're in preschool, so it's not like grade school where they're missing academic things. Um, So... And I was nervous, you know, because the surge is not over yet, but Mm -hmm. I was nervous to send them back. Uh, So, but, but I did it and, you know, there's just such a change in them just like overnight. They just seem calmer. They seem happier and life feels more normal again. So I'm, I'm glad that we did that. Knock on wood. Everything seems to be going well. Um, Yeah. So it was a pretty good week. Are you a better person than you were at the beginning of the week? I think I am. Yeah, Uh, I am. And I'll tell you why. Because we saw my parents over the weekend. And my now this is only going to be relatable if you, like me, are an adult who still at times can revert into a younger version of yourself around your parents. So look, I'm not proud of who I become sometimes, but I still do sometimes. So my dad told a story and he got many details wrong. (laughs) And I don't know if he believes the version that's wrong or if he just forgot or I don't know. But in the past, I would have been like, dad, and I would have had to correct him and make him realize that he had it wrong and set the record straight, even about a bunch of stuff that doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And instead I just let it go. Cause I was like, it doesn't matter. This is my dad. He's older. I love him. It doesn't, I don't need him to know that I'm right. And he, you know, all that teenage stuff, it was really like miraculous the way I was just like, I'm going to let it roll. It doesn't matter. And why this time did you choose to let it roll? Because I'm a better person. <laughs> you just decided, maybe that day you woke up, you had a good night's sleep, and you're like, 
going to be a better me today. Yeah, I mean, honestly, and this is, I don't know why I feel like I have to give a disclaimer about what I'm going to say. I think because it sounds very, it sounds self, I worry that it sounds self-involved, but I'm in therapy and I feel like I'm growing as a person. And so I feel like maybe, uh, you know, it wasn't like I talked about this last week and now here I am being a better person, but I just think I've been sort of working on some stuff and maybe it sunk in and I'm able to because, you know, they say that when you truly accept someone and see them for who they are and stop trying to make them be who you wish they were, that's what true love, it's really like being able to love someone is. And so I think I have been locked into this, this relationship with my, this is going real deep. I think I've been locked into this relationship with my parents for a while where it's like, um, I'm disappointed that they weren't these people that I wish they were and where, you know, maybe some of their, like some of their weaknesses, I'm, I'm angry about this or I'm angry about that. And I don't want to be that person. I'm an adult. I have my own kids. Like I, let's move on. So I, I think I'm able to just be a little more accepting. Todd, what about you? How was your week on a scale of one horrendous to five? Wonderful. I'm going to give it a three. Mm. Uh, because the bad thing was it was my birthday this week and I, uh, I don't like aging at all Uh, after like, you know, 28, I was like, eh, I don't like getting older. I don't feel like having a number that shows that I'm closer to death. Mm -hmm. Uh, that bums me out. Um, you know, I, yeah, I just, I just don't like getting old. I don't like hanging around older people. (laughs) I don't like hanging around people my age. No. Um, yeah, no, I just feel kind of bummed out about getting older because I, d- mm-hmm. I don't want to be older and I have a lot to get to in life. Um, yeah. And so so that was kind of a bummer. The good thing was I got to spend time with family and everything because it's my birthday, so that was nice. And then I went to a concert earlier this week where I saw one of my favorite artists, Damon Albarn from... Was it the aforementioned aforementioned Sweet Boy? No, it was not the aforementioned aforementioned oh, sweet boy. It was okay. Damon Albarn from the rock group Blur and uh, the Gorillas. Saw him perform at uh, the Disney Concert Hall in downtown oh, L.A. Nice. So, so it was like with the L.A. Philharmonic and him in a piano yeah. playing his new tunes and then playing the old hits and being his goofy kind of fun self. So it was a fun night. So that saved it from being a week of depression because I, I'm getting older. But Todd, are you a better person than you were last week? Uh, no, I'm not. Um, okay. And the bad thing is I'm trying to rationalize it. Uh, Let's hear. The bad behavior is I've been looking up possibly taking my five-year-old son to SeaWorld. Ooh. And Wait, the bad behavior being the ethics of SeaWorld? Yes. Like, I've, yeah. I've seen Blackfish. I actually read mm-hmm. a book called Death at SeaWorld that's like 400 pages long that talks about... Uh, how SeaWorld, obviously, while keeping killer whales in that kind of environment is not good. And, and right. all of that. I know all that. And I know it's bad. And so then I was kind of like, you know, I'm not going back there. But then I thought, it is pretty crazy for my kid to be able to see, like, a killer whale up close or, you know, to have that experience. You know, it, look, a walrus, you know, mm-hmm. um, stuff that it's hard to see in the wild. So I was I, going back and forth, like, is there a way that I can 
kind of talk to my son about it. I can make him feel terrible about it, you know? Like, oh, right. look. Is there a way you can suck the joy from the experience? Right. I'll just be like, oh, my God, Shamu. Oh, my God, there's a guy riding a whale. Isn't this great? And then after that, go, what you just witnessed was pure human debauchery and mm. terrible, and we're a terrible, awful species. Let's go see the sea lions, you know? And right. then go see it. So then I thought, well, maybe the thing is, it's like you just don't want to give SeaWorld money. Mm -hmm. And then I go, well, you know. So you're going to sneak in? No, no. Here's the thing. I already give a lot of money to its parent company, Anheuser-Busch. Um, <laughs> you know, probably I'm, I'm buying like a 12-pack of Bud Light Platinum a week. Um, not because I like the taste, but because it's low-calorie, high-alcohol content. You got to know that. Mm. So you keep your girlish figure and you get a buzz. So then right. I thought, what if I take the kid to SeaWorld, you know, maybe take my wife, who knows, and I, I tabulate up what I was gonna, what I spent with them, and then just buy less of that brand of beer in the coming months, and then like I, I drink Coors for two months just to kind of level things out a little bit, and then it's not like I gave them money, but my kid still gets to see Corky the whale that I grew up seeing at Marineland, and I think it'll be beautiful. Is this wrong? Is this not upworthy? I don't know. Like you would, know, would you take your kid all, to SeaWorld? I don't know. I have taken him to the zoo. We've gone to the zoo a couple times. You know, they don't tell you when you're a parent. You really only have a very small handful of options. A zoo being one of them. Right. You know, and I don't even feel that conflicted about it at the be anymore. At the beginning, I remember thinking like, but am I pro-zoo or am I anti-zoo? Certainly, I must have. Sort of like when I got married and someone asked me, what's your favorite flower? And I was like, I have, I don't, I have no idea. I have no strong feelings about flowers. I have no idea what my favorite flower is. And, but by the end, I certainly did. I, similarly, I feel like I have to be, I have to have a position on zoos. And yet now I like, without even thinking about whether it lines up with my morals, I will go to the zoo. Um, look, I think I like your whole beer thing. Yeah. But I think what I've seen a lot of people do is something more. And I don't you know, this is sort of questionable as well. But I think the answer would be instead of just switching beers, take however much money you give to SeaWorld and then donate a little more to a organization that's like working on behalf of, you know, giving a good life to those animals. That's what you do. Upworthy Weekly. Speaking of uh, doing good in the world, story here by Todd Perry ran on Thursday. I think Todd Perry has an agenda, but that's just me. And it says a grocery store added climate impact to its receipts and people immediately changed how they shop. So this is a new program that it has started in Norway uh, in their number one grocery store chain called Oda, which is just I just prefer that to like pavilions or, I mean, no offense, pavilions or anything, but Oda is a fun name. But anyway, uh, so it's giving shoppers the ability to make sustainable choices. Oda is the most popular online grocer in Norway, and they wanted to cut carbon dioxide emissions in half by 2025. So they made these changes like they went from paper bags to uh, sorry, they went from plastic bags to paper delivery boxes. They changed from regular trucks to electric delivery vehicles and 
turns out that's not enough to get, that's not even nearly enough to get to where they want to go. So they were like, let's look at the products that we're selling. Uh, and they started printing the carbon emissions on the receipts and making the shoppers aware of what, uh, what is the footprint of the stuff that you're buying. And it's been a resounding success. Uh, and so just the real shorthand, you know, meat is awfully bad for the environment versus like fruit and vegetables. And you know who the real winner of this was, Todd? Who? Lentil soup. Oh. Oh, lentil soup. Lentil soup was one of the top 10 recipes sold last year. Previous years, it was nowhere near the top 10. It is pretty alarming when you look at the the kind of graphs and stuff in the story where it shows like the amount of carbon for like if you have a kilogram of beef versus a kilogram of apples, it's yeah. like 500 times greater uh, uh, negative climate change impact from the beef than it is if you're eating celery and apples and you're going with a veggie diet. Right. So it is kind of eye-opening in a way that you just kind of go, I think if you shop there all the time, then maybe... It start to sink in. Yeah, or you're going to buy like 30% less beef or whatever and buy more chicken because the chicken mm-hmm. is way less has way less of an impact. You know, so I thought it was pretty neat and i thought it was something that if they adopted it in america obviously not everybody would follow it but i think the thing is it gives people the option to do the right thing and it educates Mm -hmm. them in a really not very invasive way it's just right there and you look and you see a graph and it registers visually and then you might just subtly behave differently because of it Um, right you know and i think i think the the thing is that lots of people want to help with climate change. They just don't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. Or it may not be economically feasible for them to put up solar panels or to get an electric car or to live like Ed Bagley Jr. Uh, but they want to do small things or whatever they can to make things better. And this is just a great way of putting it in front of people in mm-hmm. a very persuasive way, I think. So you think it could work here? Because I can just imagine people losing their minds over like the agenda that this grocery store has and blah, blah, blah. That being said, in the same way that people eventually adjust to warning labels on cigarettes and now it's just common, I I think truly putting information there is not really invasive. People might have their take on it at the beginning, but they would adjust. Yeah, it's like we live in California where they have the grocery bag ban. And so you bring in your own mm-hmm. groceries. And the first five times you go to the store, you forget the groceries and you got to buy the bag and the whole bit. But after a while, it settles in. And then you start thinking, oh, God, why was I wasting all that plastic? It was really unnecessary. Right. Now, maybe that's just me and I'm a smelly hippie. But <laughs> I think most people are reasonable about these things. There's going to be some guy, you know, Candace Owens is going to be screaming on Fox News about how it's like the second coming of Hitler, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, doing something like that. But hey, I think we forget because the loudest people get all the attention is that actually um, I think most people think that's a reasonable thing and understand we do have a climate crisis. So I I think there'll be some people that make a real stink about it. But in general, the average person just goes quietly through their life will go, oh, really interesting. Maybe a little more chicken, a little less beef. And that has a huge impact. Why? You know, and I don't know if you know the answer to this from from doing this story, but why does beef have such a negative impact? The funny thing is, is first of all, and people use this as a joke, but it's very true, is like the methane, like the cow farts, is is real. 
So uh, it is their farts. Right. But then it's just the amount of, you know, uh, ma- ma- just raw material a cow has to consume to live mm-hmm. is obviously much more than a chicken, you know? Right. Because if you look, look at a cow, right? Cow, seven, eight feet tall, right? Nine feet tall, 12 feet tall. They're pretty big. Yeah. yeah. 17 feet tall. I've seen cows. Okay. They're the rock of livestock. Chicken, what? Four or five inches? So. Pretty small. Yeah. So. I'm just saying, you know, like pig with pig, 900 pounds. I don't know. I don't know. How, I, I'm not a livestock farmer. But, yeah, if you just look at the the basic thing you're trying to keep alive, uh, just so we can have a hamburger, you know. Right. But, I mean, of course, because I'm just saying this because someone listening is saying this, but one cow feeds a lot more people than one chicken feeds. I don't know. I can accept that. I get to accept that. Look, I'm not a farmer, okay? I wrote a story about climate change, okay? It's okay. You don't have to know the answer. I think cow farts is legit. Yeah. See, now that sounds like the kind of thing that, again, you know, uh, AOC says it. Like, methane production is actually really bad for the environment. And then Tucker Carlson the next day is like, cow farts? Now the left is worried about cow farts, you know? Uh. I'd like to thank everybody for listening to Upworthy Weekly. And if you haven't yet, please give us a review. Uh, Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your shows. And uh, so that way you don't miss us next week when we're going to talk about more fun and uh, upworthy things that bring you the best of humanity. And if sometimes the best of humanity means the honest side of humanity, we're going to bring you that too. If it involves flatulence from farm animals, we are right there. And just one more quick thing, and I know you're trying to end, but I just want to say we read your reviews. We love your reviews. Please keep them coming. They help out the show. (laughs) (laughs) Move! Upworthy Weekly was produced by Todd Perry. Follow Upworthy on all socials at Upworthy. Allison is on Twitter at Allison Rosen. And Todd at Todd A. Perry. That's Todd with one D. Questions, comments, or to tell us about your amazing week, email us at upworthyweekly at upworthy.com. I'm Marley Balin. Have a great week. <laughs>